Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Cop On Podcast. Where are we? We're Sunday night. Uh, I'm in France. Alan's in Ireland. Abdul is in Wales. Uh, we've got Reds around the world listening to this. We've got Reds around the world talking about this. And all of the whole uh, Liverpool Reds family across everywhere is still absolutely buzzing from D. Rockerigi's goal. Um, momentum is gained entitled challenges from wins like that one against Wolverhampton Wanderers in the last minute. Big Divock, beautiful guy, brilliant goal. And we hadn't won like that for a long time. It felt glorious. Klopp went wild. The crowd were delirious. Uh, how were you, uh, Alan? And how how are you, you know, now to the day after? Oh, great. Um Unlike yourselves, um, I wasn't jumping around celebrating Divock's goal because on 92 minutes, my uh, internet decided to go. So I was kicking chairs and effing and blinding when you were celebrating. Uh, oh, no. Yeah. But it was worth it when I, when I eventually got back on to, to see, the, see the highlights in the goal. So it was fantastic. Um, who better than Divock to come on and score in the 94th minute like him? Um, he's done so many times before like he's just uh, he's a player I really like always did like and uh, just delighted for him as well because he who else would you want that ball to fall to in the 94th minute um, I'm older than yourselves guys but I'm sure you remember Matt Letizia with Southampton and I always said Matt Letizia scored fantastic goals because he was so calm and uh, that's what Divock is in them in them situations he just he's the coolest guy on the planet and just taps it in like it's fantastic brilliant result one of those results. It's one of those results that makes you believe your your title run is going to go well because it was a hard fought battle yesterday and hard, very hard. It was indeed. It was indeed. We're going to spend a long time talking about Divock, but that'll be a bit later. I've got lots to get through. We've got lots to get through today. Before that, loads of things to talk about. We're going to go through the game itself without too many stats today, just going through the incidents in the game. Because I find it interesting. You said it's a, it's, it, it's, uh, it was a hard-fought win, and of course it was. But uh, I thought, you know, we played very well in general yesterday. But uh, there you go. Abdul's here as well. Abdul from watch underscore LFC. Um, you know, Wolves are wasting time. You know, their players are going to ground, falling over, rolling around. Their fans were singing about poverty, despite the fact that Wolves' unemployment rate is around about 6.6%, whereas in Liverpool it's about 4.1%. They were singing mocking songs about poverty. All of their best songs they've stolen from us anyway. So, Abdul, fuck them. Excuse the language. But um, I was really happy that we beat Wolves because of those songs about poverty for one of those many reasons. Did you even think about Wolves, Abdul, or were you just thinking about Divock and the glory of it? Not going to lie. Uh, I think you were the one who said it before, Owen. You you posed the question to me in one of the preview shows saying, are Wolves going to be the team who will really cause us a problem? And I kind of swatted it away. I said, oh, it's fine. We'll, we'll steamroll them. It won't be anything. But yeah, it was a really tough match. Saying that, um, I think I tuned out for most of the first half and then um, most of the second half as well. It was just a very turgid affair, so I didn't really uh, pay too much attention. But yeah, Wolves were well organised and then um, I just always felt like we were going to do it, uh, regardless of when it was in the match. So um, yeah, I mean, yeah, fuck Wolves, like you were saying, if they were doing all that stuff, chanting about poverty, etc, etc. It was a tough match, but yeah, we got the three points that we needed and in uh, in a very dramatic fashion, so... Really, really happy with the win, to be honest. Yeah, it's it, it, it's so good to come out of that with 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 three points. Um, when the lineup was announced, um, we we were unchanged again. So I mean, you know, when we beat Southampton four 0 a couple of games ago, we then just changed Matip from that starting lineup against Everton, and then of course yesterday we were unchanged again um, against Wolves. Um, so. You know, Thiago's been playing a lot of football, um, you know, so have, so have lots of other players. Uh, but, uh, you know, were, were you feeling really confident when before the game, when the when the team was announced? Because as Abdul said, I, I did have my doubts. I was I was a little bit nervous about this one. Um, were you supremely confident, Alan? Yeah, I, I was quite confident, to be honest. I, I, I knew, um, we knew what Wolves were going to do. We knew they were going to set up well and, and make us work hard. Um, 
and I was quite confident before the game that we'd we do like we did to Southampton and that and just attack them from the off. Well, you have to give credit to Wolves because they, they, they held us back so long. Like, But we, we didn't get that start that we've got the last couple of games, you know, that first 10 minutes where we just pound teams. But um, that's credit to Wolves too. Um, also, like none of our players, none of our players played bad yesterday, which was good. Um, but it was the first time in a long, long, long time that's seen Salah with uh, so many missed touches and, and you know, just, just not on top of his game so I was a bit worried at half time and uh, but you know I was confident enough we'd get in the end up, up until the 92 second minute I was confident um, especially if Big Divock was on the field you, you would feel that confidence um, but yeah no, before the game I was confident but it was draining me yeah absolutely absolutely draining all the energy because when the game kicked off Abdul I mean the thing with Wolves is it you can you can squeeze the pitch. Uh, you can be compact in 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 two different ways. You can be compact in that you can get all of your wide players in field and you know put, make everything go down the centre. And that's a that's a good way of being compact if you want to be defensive. But then there's this other way as well. This other dimension, which is vertically, and you can be vertically compact as well. And that's what Wolves were, which is why it was over 300 minutes before anyone had scored against Wolves by the time we did get our winner, Abdul. And it's, it's just really, really tough, isn't it? I mean, our first chance in the first half, going through from the first half or the major events of the match, was when Thiago lifted one over the defence for Trent, who completely sliced it when he, we had two players free at the far post for a tap-in. But the amount we were we were knocking on the door. I mean, it's just those kinds of passes from Thiago over the top of the defence for a fullback to run onto. Is that one of the tactics that that can beat a team that's set up so compactly, you know, horizontally and vertically like Wolves? Do you have any particular ideas of how to break that system down? Because it, it reminded me of, sorry, it reminded me of, Asterix, uh, you know, the, when I used to read Asterix as a child, the Romans used to attack in a tortoise shell formation, which is when all of the uh, all of the soldiers would huddle up shoulder to shoulder and they'd put their shields above their heads and on the side. And so they'd just make this sort of big square of, of, of shield uh, with their spears poking out. That's what Wolves' tactics reminded me of. So do you have any ideas... Abdul, about how how to beat that system in the future, or is it just you know keep 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 trying to be imaginative? Great, great question. Um, I would say that is precisely the reason that we signed Thiago. I remember when we signed him, Pep Linders was talking about um, we need to constantly improve the team, uh, and we need to um, you know teams are starting to figure out how to play against Liverpool, how to stay compact, like you were saying, and. Um, Wolves themselves, uh, before even Bruno Lages uh, joined, when Klopp was talking about um, Diogo Jota and uh, the reason why we signed him, and he's talking about how Wolves as a team, the amount of defensive work that their forwards do and their wingers do was like completely different to all the other teams. Like They're pretty much involved in every single aspect of defending. And I don't think that they've lost that since they've moved on to Bruno Lager. So they're a very tough team to break down. They've got a defined system. They've got players there who have been there for quite a while now. Um, they play, you know, they're trying to be more of a football playing side. So yeah, really tough team to break down, which the stats show. Um, so yeah, signing somebody like Thiago was specifically to bring that kind of imagination, that flair into the centre of the pitch, um, rather than constantly relying on crosses, because at some point it's easy to defend just constant crosses into the box. Um so you need a bit more of that invention. So yeah, that that chance from Thiago, uh, his over-the-top ball was really sublime again. And Thiago, just to talk about him, he's he's come into some immense form over the last few games. I mean, uh, he did a pre-match press conference before the Porto game, and he was getting a lot of, uh, I would say, aggressive questions from the journalists, all the Liverpool journalists, by the way, kind of talking about, oh, how do you evaluate your time at Liverpool so far? Oh, Xavi said he's interested. Would you think about leaving Liverpool? All of this kind of stuff that I felt was kind of a bit unfair on Thiago. But over the last few matches, he's really shown uh, his quality, not even in just the goals. But yesterday, I thought his defensive contribution was absolutely immense. 
Um, so yeah, really, really happy with him. And um, just to pick up on one thing that Alan was talking about, about the players like not getting the right touches and seeing Salah mess up a few passes and touches, which is a bit uncharacteristic. I think just the schedule over the last week, that that team, our, our starting eleven, has played pretty much all three games. And I predicted it as well before in the preview show. I said that we'd probably go unchanged. But yeah, I think our players were just a bit tired. Um, last match of a long week. Hopefully they get a rest in the midweek and uh, they have enough juice in the tank to go again for the weekend. Lovely answer. Lovely answer. Yeah, I mean, we have to give credit as well to Wolves for, for stopping Mo Salah in terms of how compact we, we were, as I said, but also the excellent performance of Ryan Aitnuri, who's uh, just such a wonderful prospect at left-back for them. So bravo to him and the other two or three that were hovering around Mo to try and stop him. Even then, Mo managed two shots with one on target, three key passes, including the assist, um, so he was still absolutely magnificent. We can talk a little bit about Salah later, but you know, going back to that first half again, Tiago, beautiful words there from Abdul. Um, Alan, uh, Tiago again was involved in the second chance that we managed because he played this lovely threaded pass. It wasn't just threaded through the eye of a of a needle; it was threaded between two electrons. And Mo Salah did a very clever thing in that he just stepped over the ball, which gave a tiny bit of space for Mane. And these are the things when you're playing against such a tightly organised team is that Mane just had the tiniest bit of space in which he could feed Trent again. And Trent put in a beautiful cross for Diogo Jota, the birthday boy who headed wide. Now, the commentator on the, um, uh, you know, here in France was saying he should have scored that. Um, I'm not so sure. I mean, yes, he would be disappointed in himself, but I, I would say that you don't always score goals like that because if you look at his body shape, he was sort of jumping backwards a little bit to get his head on the ball. But um, um, what did you make of Jota yesterday, Alan? Because, you know, I've heard people say that he was uh, he was uh, not, not great. I mean, he ended up with four shots, one on target, which was the one... Um, maybe we'll talk about in a bit, or you can talk about it now if you want. That incredible, one of the worst misses that you could possibly see, six yards out with no goalkeeper and two uh, players on the line. But what did you make of him, Diogo Jota, Alan? Yeah, I, t- I thought he had a good game um, um, up until um, until that uh, miss from six yards out. I think that might have affected him a bit, um, as you can imagine. The, the first chance with the header, uh, I'd agree with you, I was slightly behind him and with his form of late, you're kind of expecting him to, to hit the net okay, but it wasn't it wasn't terrible miss or anything like that. It was just unlucky. But um you know, going to that that chance when he was in with no keeper, um he just um I don't know, the moment got to him or something and he just kind of he kind of hit it too hard. You know, he had both sides of the goal to aim for and he was caught in two minds. But I did think his game kind of um, deteriorated a little bit after that when he was getting tired and it was on his mind or something. But um, overall, he had a good game. He was working hard and just unusual to see him miss a chance like that. You know, it was a bit of a shock really to the system. But uh, but like sorry, Abdul said there, the player of the match for me was Thiago. Um, it's nothing I can add to what Abdul said there. He was very good what he said, but he, he he was the player of the match. And I think he he is the player that makes a difference to us um, in them games because he can just pass the ball at a, at a whimper. Like, he's just fantastic. And he gets other players around him more time and the ball to get into positions. But um, overall, I was happy with Jota. It was just unbelievable miss, really. Just um, my heart went out to him, really, to be honest, especially against his old team. On his birthday as well. Absolutely. It was his birthday yesterday. Uh, but there you go. The, the, the next chance in the first half um, was the tackle of the season. Um, you know, of course, I haven't watched every single game in the Premier League. That would be crazy. But I've, you know, watched all the Liverpool games and I've watched a few other games besides. Um, and it was the best tackle I've, I've, I've seen this season, definitely. Um, Jota was involved. He slipped Robertson in. Robertson made a great run on the outside. And Andy Robertson slid in a low ball. And it was good. It was good enough. It was headed for Mo, who was coming in at the back post, as is his want. But then Roman Saiz slid in beautifully, like a spatula under an omelette. And... 
he nicked the ball away somehow, somehow, Abdul. I don't want to talk about Wolves, um, their defenders, their three defenders. They had Sace, Connor Cody and Max Kilman. And for me, Max Kilman was the overall man of the match yesterday because I thought he was absolutely magnificent. But what do you, what do you make of uh, Wolves' defenders? They were pretty good, no? Yeah. Uh, once again, I have to preface my comments by saying I really tuned out of the first half. I think I was cooking, just kind of had it on in the background and uh, I, I can't really fathom too many appearances. But Max Kilman, I have been watching him in the past and I know he's got a background of being a futsal player. So I know he's supposed to be good with his feet. Saying that, I do remember he he did one time like really mess up a really basic thing with his feet. And I was like, OK, are you, are you really a futsal player? But it's good to see that, you know, young talent. I think he's from Ireland. And I think you, I think Ukraine are trying to persuade him to play for them um, because I think possibly his parents are, are Ukrainian. But yeah, it looks like a, he looks like a good talent. And um, I'm glad that he hasn't been, you know, dropped because I feel like Wolves have a, a couple of good centre-back talents, although I can't think of them off the top of my head. Oh, yeah, uh, Keanu Hoover. Cause I, I remember him from obviously Liverpool days. Um, I think that right centre-back position was pretty much made for him it plays into his strengths as being like a right back and a right center back. But um, yeah, Kilman is obviously there on merit. Um, they did a really good job. They got a really good uh, record over a long period of time as well. So clearly they've got a very good defensive unit and shout out to Connor Cody as well. Uh, put his uh, body on a the line there for his team. So yeah, uh, well done to Wolves. Obviously, Hopefully they keep that up, but obviously, hopefully they roll over for us when they come to Anfield. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah, good one. Sorry, I sort of keep coming back to you with first half questions, but there you go. Uh, but uh, you know, yeah, because not much happened to be honest. Um, there was one, you know, huge moment. Um, just two more moments really from from the first half was uh, when Sadia Mani had the ball and Mo was steaming ahead of him and Manny decided for no particular reason to take two extra touches by which time Mo was offside and then Manny overhit his pass anyway. It was a huge, huge, huge chance for us because Mo was steaming through. He had a full head of steam going in and we were on the break because that was one of the rare, rare times when Wolves um, you know, attacked a bit. Uh, so they had all this space behind and yeah, um, it was just not a great game for Sadio Mane uh, in general without, you know, with, with his passing and his, his general play decision-making wasn't fantastic. Um, he only managed one shot. It was on target. We'll get to that one. Um, and he made one key pass in the match with a 75.8% passing accuracy compared to Mo Salah at 70.4. You're absolutely right, Alan. He was a very very poor for his standards with the ball. He lost the ball a lot, Mo Salah. But, but, Alan, um, Sadio Mane, not his best game. My brother wants to drop him, uh, not just against Milan, but in the next match against Villa to give Divock a run in the team. Is my brother just getting carried away with this uh, Divock, you know, what do you call it? The Divock hype? Um, yeah, I think um, I think the rest will do him good. Um, not that he did anything majorly wrong yesterday. Like I said, a few of the players seem to be a bit off. But um, with Bobby being out of the team as well, they haven't really got a chance to rest um, players. So I think he will give him a rest for, for Tuesday night and probably one or two others. But um, his overall play was good. He was trying hard. He was working hard. He was doing his, his usual defensive work. And um, he, he wasn't too bad. I didn't think he was that bad, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I can see I can see the point in giving him a rest, giving a few of the players a rest. Um, but um, not having not having Bobby there is the big factor really for for giving players a rest. And uh, hopefully we'll uh, get Divock in and, and Tacky in for a few minutes on Tuesday night and give a few players a rest and give them the, the game time that, that that they need. Like because we all know playing regularly gives you gives you your touch and gives you gets your ring rustiness out. Yeah, like Abdul was saying earlier on about um, Thiago we see the benefit of playing a few games in a row as well so I think it'd be a great opportunity to give Sadio a rest um, but let's be honest he's playing an awful lot better than he did last season so we'd be thankful for that Oh yeah he's up there with the best in Europe in terms of you know goals and, and danger uh, per match he's 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 absolutely fantastic he's having a great season but uh, would you would you rest him are you saying you'd just rest him for the Milan game Alan or would you also uh, consider resting him for Aston Villa next weekend. 
No, I think just the Milan game. Um, I think uh, we need to keep momentum going and, and players in the team. And so I think a rest during the week, he'd have a good few few days off. So I'll bring him back in for Villa next week, definitely. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. So it's not just me who disagrees with my brother in some kind of fraternal rivalry. Um, but uh, there you go. If you're listening to this, hello. Hello, my dear brother. But um, uh, the uh, yes, uh, the first half then, I mean, Wolves only made one. They only had one attack, really. They they had one sort of pot shot, but uh, their, their, their biggest chance in the first half, as you won't remember, uh, Abdul, because you were too busy making your omelette or whatever it was, Wolves broke and there was a lovely low pass from Aitnuri that was well dealt with by Allison with a Dama Traore hovering. Um, and so the stats at half time were that Liverpool had four shots with none on target. Wolves had one shot with none on target, so no shots on target in the first half. Liverpool's passing accuracy was 83%. Um, we caught them offside once in the first half and we managed five corners in the first half. But some key like passing stats. Um, Andy Robertson, I thought, was, 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 oh, I don't know, it wasn't his best game, although he, he made some great runs. Um, I'm loath to criticize him because he's absolutely wonderful, wonderful player, but his passing accuracy was the lowest in the team. Um, 71% passing accuracy. Actually, sorry, Mohamed Salah in the first half was 70.6%. Uh, so, yeah, Andy Robertson could have done better. But also Thiago, for all of our praise for him, only managed 81% passing accuracy, which for him is pretty poor. But maybe that's because he was trying to make things happen. Uh, but otherwise, there wasn't much to shout about. There wasn't much to write home about. Trent managed two key passes. Thiago managed one. Mo Salah managed one in the first half, and that's it. So it was very flat. Credit to Wolves. Um, yeah, credit to them. Um, but uh, in, in terms of going forward, Trent had five crosses with two accurate in the first half. And Andy Robertson, six crosses with only one accurate in the first half. Although, as I said earlier, he almost set up Mo for a goal had it not been for Roman Saiz's brilliance. So then the second half started. Abdul was ready with his omelette. He'd finished it at half time. Uh, so he was he was concentrating in the second half or maybe a little bit. <laughs> Um, maybe. Uh, but Mo won a corner. That was the first chance. Trent played it short to Thiago. Uh, Thiago played it back to Trent. Trent played this high, loopy ball um, that fell to Salah on the back post, who ske whose skewed volley found Thiago at the back post. Uh, and Thiago was unlucky with a couple of blocks and deflections. It was pinball in there with Jimenez. Jimenez whacked it against Thiago. And there was absolutely absolutely brilliant save brilliant reaction save by Jose Sain there he just somehow flicks out his right foot to stop it and Wolves survived again um were you thinking in the second half as as our chances came and went Abdul that it was just going to be one of these days you know did you lose heart in that second half uh no, <laughs> it's a simple answer. I think uh, after I finished making my omelette, um, uh, funnily enough, I literally was actually frying an egg. So I don't know if you're clairvoyant or something, Owens, but uh, yeah. That was... Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I tweeted at halftime on watch. I was like, wolves are tight. They're very organized. Patience needed today. Come on, red men. Because I, I knew it was it was going to be a tight one, but I didn't feel like we had it lost and um, or, or I didn't feel like we were going to drop points. And even before the match, I was like, we need to take advantage today. And I'm sure because obviously Chelsea dropped points early in the day. I, I just felt that we we had something in us. And then I also called the substitutions. I said, please, Jurgen, bring on Divock, bring on Oxley chamberlain at some point as well. And he did them at some point. So um, I think I just I, I kept the hope. I, I knew for some reason that we were going to get the three points today and uh no matter how long it took, I, I felt like we were going to get it. And obviously with Divock on the pitch, I mean, that's literally what the guy is made for, right? Just to, because uh, I know you love your stats, but I do have one absolutely mental stat that I'm sure you're probably going to get to, Owen, but I just want to take it for you, Go from for you. It. Go for um, it. I think Divock Origi, I think he has played 300 and, no, sorry, 3,417 minutes of action in the Premier League for Liverpool ever. And he has 30 goals or assists for that period 
which is basically a goal contribution every 113 minutes, which isn't quite one in two, but, you know, it's pretty good for somebody who's at best a bit part player over his Liverpool career. So, yeah, literally, I don't know what he eats for breakfast, but that guy is on another level. <laughs> He's tuned into like the avatar state when he comes on and we need him to produce something. He just always <laughs> does it for us. So... Yeah, literally in love with that guy. Absolutely wonderful. You, you, that's a great stat. I'm going to Google it. Goals per minute LFC strikers in history. I reckon it's going to be better without looking. I reckon it's going to be better than, uh, you know, Michael Owen, Robbie Fowler, maybe even Torres, this kind of thing. Who knows? Um, goals and oh, assists, yeah. by the way. Goals and assists every 113 minutes. So there you go. Um, oh, gosh. how I think I've got the stats somewhere. Uh, oh God! I, bear with me. I'll look that up in a moment. Um, yeah. Okay. So go back to the second half of that game. Um, I was the same as you, Abdul. I was not losing faith. I was not lo losing faith at all. But uh, the Wolves had the next chance of the match because uh, for once Liverpool's offside trap was beaten when and Huang got through and he tried to slip in a Wolves attacker, but Trent made an absolutely superb interception before. Dennis Donker fired one at goal. It was headed to the top corner and a lesser goalkeeper such as, for example, Ramsdale, De Gea, these kind of people, they would have dived in the star shape, well, you know, with, you know, arching their back and tipped that one round, maybe for a throw in, probably for a corner. Alison Becker caught it and it was from that counter-attack that we had our biggest chance, which was the one when Jose Sarr got in a tiz with Roman Saiz and Jota ended up whacking it into Connor Cody's nether regions. I'm sure he's still feeling that, Connor Cody. Get well soon. Um, but yeah, the offside trap I wanted to talk about, because I thought our defence, Alan, it would be easy to skip over our defence, but we got a clean sheet. And part of the reason we got a clean sheet and we restricted Wolves to one shot on target, which was that Den Donker, effort um was we were brilliant but we were especially brilliant in the in the offsides i'll just get it so we, we got them offside once in the first half uh and i think it was six times in the second half or something like that they ended up with seven offsides in the whole match uh wolves so i mean we were we were we were freaking brilliant and, and it was really well organized and this this thing about our team playing together for a long time. I thought it was superb, the organisation of the defence. Have you got anything to say about our defence, Alan? Oh, I thought the defence was amazing yesterday. I, um, I thought, um, like you said, them offsides, you could see you could see the, the understanding with, with them. There was one, instance, one of them in particular, I don't remember what exactly it was, um, but I remember thinking that um, there was a ball coming in from the right-hand side and you could see Matup telling Van Dyke to hold, hold to keep the line because Van Dyke had his back to the player and obviously he couldn't see but he, he could just see Van Dyke stopping instantly and the Wolves player was offside. Um so that understanding between them two, as you say, playing a lot of games together is fantastic. Um I think we're really lucky Touchwood to have um Matip so far injury free because I, I think I think Van Dyke's the best defender in the Premier League and I think Matip is second. Um, also, that that interception you said from Trent, like Trent, got a gets a lot of stick sometimes in the media for not being defensively minded, but he was awesome. He was just awesome yesterday as well, and I think he has been all season. But um, yeah, that defense was very good, very very good. Um, just taking up your point on Andy Robson as well, with not getting as many crosses or passes as normal, but. He had a good game overall, and his defensive work was, was fantastic. But um, all in all, I think um, what you can tell as well by a game like that, which which encouraged me to, uh, was Matip. Matip taking the ball and running into midfield a lot in the second half, going into their half. You know That just shows how confident our, our defence is, that our one of our main defenders can just run up the pitch and didn't affect us at all. Like everyone in the mid, everyone in the pitch played well yesterday, but particularly Matip, I thought I was really impressed with Matip yesterday. Yeah, he was absolutely superb. Brilliant, brilliant answer. Yeah, totally. Um, Joel Matip, Virgil van Dijk, Trent and Robbo. 
with Fabinho shielding, it was absolutely brilliant. Fabinho got his yellow card, but I thought he was excellent after that. Um, you know, we, you know, and before that even. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, okay, the next chance, let's go back to it, was because, uh, you know, this is when chances were starting to appear. And this is why I didn't lose faith in our team, because I thought, you know, Wolves are slightly tiring a bit and chances were beginning to appear. Um, so the next one was a lovely dink by Salah and Mane took a, a heavy touch off his chest and Jose Salah was able to come out and, and, and stop Mane from, from having the shot because Mane's touch was just a little bit off. Um, and then, so then Divock came on and you've got to give um, Klopp a lot of credit because I'm sure there were tons of podcasts and tons of pundits and tons of everybody who, you know, the idiots on Twitter, you know, the sort of, you know, supposed LFC fans who are so down on our own team. I don't know what they'd like for our enemies. Um, but, they're, you know, they they would have criticised, they would have absolutely ripped into Jurgen Klopp for taking off Henderson and putting on Divock Origi. But for me, it was one of the best substitutions I remember Klopp making, Abdul, because... It completely changed the game. It completely confused Wolves. And from that point, you know, before then, we'd made, you know, one, two, three, about four, five, you know, decent chances, but nothing particularly brilliant. But from that point, uh, we made, you know, just in the last half an hour, Debock himself got 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 three t three shots at goal the last 24 minutes i think he was on the pitch he had three shots at goal and we had one two three four five i think we had six six chances after he came on so credit to jürgen because that substitution was 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 brilliant it was absolutely brilliant um so credit to klopp and, and his tactics yeah absolutely i mean it's not usually a sub that jürgen likes making uh taking off one of the midfielders from the three and uh, effectively putting on another attacker and going four attackers up there. Um, he usually loves his balance. But again, I think he probably just felt, uh, yeah, we're getting to the end of the week. All of our players are kind of dying out here. We just need a spark. And I don't think uh, James Milner would have provided that. I don't think uh, Oxley chamberlain even though he's got a bit more attacking impetus, uh, I don't think he would have given the spark. But... Divock Origi, just put him on centre forward. We get a chance. We need somebody to finish. And it was one of those days. We created a lot of like half-ish chances. Um, I remember Salah like getting the ball in a box once and just like shooting a really tame effort. So we were getting the ball into the right areas, but we just needed somebody to finish. And who better to finish off chances than, as Klopp put, you know, a world-class finisher in Divock Origi. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was just a really satisfying substitution. Ballsy from Klopp. Um, the right player, and yeah, Divock did exactly what he was there to do, and it was a massive middle finger to all of those fans that you're talking about, your LFC lorries, your Sean Dio LFCs, all of those, you know, oh, angry fans because we didn't make a signing and we didn't torpedo Divock and Minamino off in the summer, and ev like, to be fair, not even Divock, uh, Minamino, like, all of our fringe players this season, fringe and inverted, you know, things, uh, all of them have produced when we've needed them to, whether it's in a League Cup or in the Premier League or in the Champions League. The idea of the squad uh, has really shone through this season, I think. And every player has played their part and every player is happy and every player is pushing each other player. So, yeah, I mean, we've, we've assembled a great squad and I'm so glad that, you know, uh, the people who didn't believe in our squad are having to hastily uh, redraw up their opinions on certain players. Yeah, basically that. <laughs> yeah, great answer. Yeah, I blocked those guys a long time ago because I just can't be dealing with their their misery. You know what I mean? So uh, yeah, we we we're, we're right to be positive. It's great to be proved right to be positive about our boys. Uh, they're wonderful, wonderful players. Really world class, superb, right throughout the team and the squad. Um, the next couple of chances, uh, Trent um, had an absolutely fabulous cross towards Divock, but it was brilliant last ditch defending by Max Kilman, who sort of slid, uh, you know, across him, stuck out a leg and, it, you know, knocked it out from a corner. Um, from a, another corner, um, we picked up the second ball once or twice 
um, and it ended up with Manny hammering a shot with the outside of his right boot that is absolutely brilliantly saved by Saar again. And at that point, you're thinking, wow, you know, the, these Wolves have been have just defended with their lives and well done. And then Traore came off for Wolves with just a few minutes left, Alan. And I was really relieved. I was delighted to see the back of him because, yes, he's now got no goals and no assists in 14 Premier League matches, Alan. But I would sign him, you know. I would. I wouldn't play him as an attacker. I wouldn't expect him to to make goals and assists. But I would just, as, you know, just as a destroyer, create some kind of, you know, Klopp would be able to create something with him because there's something absolutely unplayable about the guy, isn't there? Or is it just, you know, is he just a waste of time because he doesn't ultimately do anything clutch? Um, well, I was delighted to see him come off as well because um, I thought... I actually thought our players were giving him too much respect. Um, like every time he got the ball, even in their half, we were fouling him. Like, I don't I think we got, I'm not sure, you're, you're probably better at stats, but I think we got three yellow cards yesterday. And I think probably two of them at least came from tackling him. So I was delighted to see the back from for that. Um, but no, I, I, I'd have to disagree with you. I, I don't rate him. Um, I know Klopp can make players better, but. I don't see I don't see the the end product in him. Like he's not a young player. He's he's old enough now, and I'm sure he's been coached a lot about finishing and stuff. And to me, he doesn't he doesn't have it in him. He's great power and he's great pace. But um, personally, I wouldn't like him in our team. Um, and if we did have him, he'd be a last ten minute type of player like that. He'd come on to run the ball. I think. But I think if we were going for someone, we need to go for someone better than him. To be honest, um, like he had that great season two years ago where we were rumored to be after him, and then we moved in and took Jota. So I think that that says it all to me. I think. So when you say better, you mean better in a sort of end product way. Yeah, exactly. I, you'd be signing him for his pace and his strength, but I don't see him like, especially on that right side. Like we we have Harvey Ernie to come back there on that right side as well and stuff. And I don't, I, I don't see him in our team to be honest. I, he's a good, a good player, but not not that top level that that we would want. And he, yeah, okay. The, the, you know, they've kind of been um, putting out there for the last last two years ago. He was forty five million, then he was thirty, and now they're saying they'll let him go for twenty five. So. You know, there's, there's something in that too, like, you know, that someone hasn't jumped in and got him before now either. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I'm just fascinated by the guy. I think he's a, he's, he's a really unique player. And I think we can, uh, I'm sorry, I think I, I, I'm going to disagree. I do think Klopp could, could find a way of getting him. He might not get into the first team. You're absolutely right. But, you know, he could be a very useful squad player. He'll, he'll play occasionally, I would think. But I don't know. What do you, what do you think of it, Abdul? Would you sign Bigger Dama? Yeah, so, I mean, it's a really interesting one. One thing I would say about any potential Liverpool target is I don't think Liverpool can buy a ready-made kind of replacement or a player who can just switch in easily for like Mane or Salah at the moment. I think that they are so accomplished at what they do. Obviously, it's not like they're doing... Like, Salah is a very unique player. Mane, I wouldn't say he's like that unique. But like, I think when Liverpool are evaluating who do we go for next, they don't try and look for a cookie-cutter replacement for Salah or Mane because you just won't find anybody who will be able to do it at the level that they do it, who isn't already like one of the best players in the world, you know? So when you are looking at a target, you do have to find a player, I think, who has a unique quality to him, which Salah and Mane don't have. And Adama definitely has that in his strength and his dribbling ability and his pace. He's, what, 25 now, did you say? Uh, Yeah, he's 25, I believe. I'll double-check, but yeah. Yeah. So if he's 25, that's pretty much around the same age that we signed both Mane and Salah. And they obviously weren't as ruthless in front of goal as they are now, obviously. And they've definitely improved a lot. So yeah, it does. You can definitely see it happening. But like Alan says, he's been under a couple of different coaches. Although, you know, to be fair, Nuno is one of them. Bruno Lage hasn't had that much time with him yet. So, but also he's been at Barcelona and other clubs. And you do just wonder, like, what is it that they're not teaching him on a training ground? Because it seems simple, right? It's like, you know, you need to improve your finishing. So do finishing drills with him and crossing drills. And I'm sure they've tried it. So it must be something else. So I don't know if Klopp will have the magic source to turn him into, you know, the demon that he could be. But maybe he could. Maybe he really could. So I don't know. I'd be interested to see if anybody does go for him in terms of a bigger club. 
Um, and I'd be really interested to see how that works because, um, yeah, you're right, Owen. He does have a lot of unique qualities that nobody else has. It's 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 fascinating. He will be he will be fascinating for him. I'm delighted to have him in the Premier League because um, I think he's just a a fascinating kind of player. But uh, there we go. Um, the last chance of the match before Divox was was Mohamed Salah's when he was he wriggled around in the box and he worked the space for a shot on his favourite left foot, but it sort of dribbled towards the near post and it was fairly comfortable in the end for, for Jose Sa. And at that point, um, I I took, um, I don't know if you've ever seen those latex exercise bands. They also sometimes call them resistance bands and you could do various stretching exercises. And the stress was making me use uh, my girlfriend's exercise band to do stretches and I was muttering to myself come on Liverpool come on Liverpool over and over again I remember looking at the clock and it was 91 minutes and 40 seconds and refusing to give up on this team thinking come on Liverpool one more chance one more chance and there it was there it was big Virgil the long pass out to Mo Salah and his first touch is perfect because it sets up the whole thing, um, you know, gives him a sprinting race and he wins that against the defender. But his second touch is a real delicate little dinky, which makes it possible to play it behind Roman Saiz's legs to the div. Divock at the death. It was his 100th substitute appearance for Liverpool. No other player has got more goals as a substitute for Liverpool in the Premier League, Jurgen Klopp said to him, apparently, just be Divock. Just, you know, be Divock. Show the crowd who Divock is, something like that. And who is Divock? Divock is the corner-taking quickly guy. Divock scored the goal in the, at the beginning of the second half against Dortmund, going way back, that brought us back into that match, the first big European comeback after under Jurgen Klopp. Um, Divock came off the bench in the Champions League final and sealed the win uh, for six times, Liverpool, six times European Championship. Divock got a header against Everton after Jordan Smallarms Pickford sla- you know, knocked the ball against his own, his own crossbar. It was Divock who was there at that time. Divock scored the goal against Newcastle just days or perhaps one day before Vincent Company's incredible strike against Leicester. And then it was the day, a couple of days after that, the, the Barcelona game with corner taken quickly. So Divock uh, had an amazing week that week. He also scored um, against Arsenal in a, in a 5-5 game. He scored a scissor kick in the, the very, very last minute. And if that's way down on your list of uh, iconic moments, huge moments, brilliant moments, hilarious moments. Let's face it. When you get a scissor kick in a 5-5 game and it's way down the list, this is what being Divock is. And i got one stat that I really love, which is um, if you look at his, uh, his uh, I think it's 851 minutes off the bench, Uh, I don't know in recent years, I don't know how many years that goes back, 851 minutes off the bench. His goals per 90 minutes is 1.06. And only Robert Lewandowski has higher than that in Europe. Um, He's Divock. He's being Divock. He's an absolute legend, Alan. Um, do you think, I mean, Robertson said after the match, he posted something a little bit tongue in cheek, perhaps how he would bring his grandkids to see the statue of Divo Karigi. But I'm seriously, I'm seriously thinking about organising a petition to actually get it done because I freaking love the guy. He's a legend. What do you think, Alan? Yeah, well, first of all, Owen, you, you frightened me there when you mentioned spandex. I didn't know where you were going with that one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. It wasn't a euphemism if I was using my girlfriend's latex. No. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think, uh, uh, as I said earlier on, I love Divock. I've always loved Divock. But um, I think what, what I noticed yesterday about him, too, is um, 
like I think what Klopp said to him, you were mentioned there when he came on was just be divok. And uh, I was listening to um, LFC yesterday to, the, to the, one of my favourite Liverpool players ever, John Aldridge. Um, lucky enough to meet him a few times. And uh, he was saying that he never thought in his lifetime he would see a player that, that would come on as a sub and overtake David Verklov. And Divock is it. And uh, that hit home with me because I remember I was a kid looking at David Furclough and super sub. And like you said, with all them, you just mentioned all them goals there that he scored. Like Barcelona, them two goals, one of the best memories in my life. But probably the happiest memory in my life that I'll never forget was the one against Everton and Klopp running on the pitch and Hogan Alley and that. Like they're just moments that whether you get the statue or not, he'll never be forgotten. But uh, he he is that player, and I think a lot of people forget how good he is. And lots of his performances for us are our best performance are when he's put through the middle. I don't think our system really suits Divock, but that doesn't stop him trying and giving it everything when he does come on. Like um, you know, sometimes he comes on on the left of the tree and it doesn't suit him. But if you put Divock on, like you said, when he came on yesterday, he was totally different than anything else we had on, and they just had to try and up their game to manage him. Like as soon as he came on, we start getting a few chances, you know, a few near misses. And again, to quote John Aldrich, because he knows more about football than I do, um, the finish yesterday was, was top class. Because as Aldo said, when he when he ran for that ball, he actually came outside the post, which a striker doesn't normally do. And the way he just swiveled on it with the calmness, like I said earlier on, he just stroked it into the net. Like I, I hope that he he gets the recognition now that he deserves. And, and I'll go back to Abdul there earlier on that he said about certain people I was criticising them and moaning and them people just deny me as, as Liverpool fans we're entitled to um, say it when a player is playing bad but that doesn't mean you're torn against them or it doesn't mean you're, you're with them or you're not with them um, so people that criticise Divock just need to take a seat take back a seat and look at all the memories they have of him and the memories he can still bring us and them, them type of people really deny me the long may he live yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The Divock. Um, he's played 38 minutes of combined action against Crystal Palace, West Ham and Wolves. He's got two goals. Um, Harry Kane's played 13 games and got one goal. Um, his stats are crazy, but it's, it's, it's the attitude. That's the thing, Abdul. You could see he came on. He's not first choice. He's not even fourth choice. He's fifth choice, potentially even sixth if you count Taki ahead of him. And he was full of dynamism. He was full of hard work. He was really trying his best. Um, like I said before, he managed to get three shots away, which is incredible. Two more than Sadio Mane managed in, in, in the whole match. And he was just so many cause so many problems and it could be a huge huge moment um abdul talk talk to us about your love for divok the div to be fair i could i could go on about divok for an entire podcast by myself i actually have a reputation amongst uh, circles on twitter for um basically i used to play football manager i probably should still play it but i, I used to play it a long time ago and on football manager like 14 I had a team which had Divock Origi up front with Timo Werner and Gabriel Barbosa. And each one of them hit like 40 goals a season for me every single season. So, um, yeah, from, from that moment, I always used to just tell people, like, I think he's going to win the Ballon d'Or one day. Like, I think he's got everything. And um, just like watching him in real life as well, like, I think he genuinely does have everything you need to be a top quality striker in terms of technical ability. Um, he's got trickery. He's got an amazing long shot. He's got great finishing from inside the box. He's tall, so he's got the height for headers. I think he's got great presence. Um, I think he's got everything, like literally everything you need on a checkbox for what you need to be a top quality striker nowadays. I think he's got it. And the thing that annoys me and it has been annoying me for the last few seasons is people criticizing his mentality, saying that he doesn't show enough fight. He's content to sit on the bench. If he was a bit more, uh, if sorry, if he wasn't lazy, then he could definitely challenge, but we don't want a player like him at our club, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just thinking like, all of these things are things that you don't know about this guy. Like nobody knows Divock Origi personally to say that, you know, he's a lazy guy. Okay, we've had a few quotes from, you know, uh, Milner talking about how he's a bit laid back in his energy and Roberto Firmino and Alisson were laughing once talking about, oh, who's lazy in the squad? Oh, it's Divock. But like, I, I hate the criticism of his like mentality because... His situation at Liverpool is very clear. 
he isn't better than Roberto Firmino. He isn't better than Diogo Jota. So, you know, nobody's in any kind of question about what his position is in the squad. And it's actually admirable that he is, you know, still here um, because he knows that he has a job in this squad. And when he gets onto the pitch, he executes. And nobody has any qualms with him in a squad. Everybody loves him. Nobody's ever criticised his mentality or anything like that. So when all of these fans are constantly criticising his mentality, it was just really getting to me. But yeah, I think what he does for the club in big moments is definitive proof that he has the mentality to be a Liverpool player. So I, I, I don't want to see anybody talking about his mentality ever again. I, I absolutely agree. I, it, it's, it's, I'm going to ban it. I mean, I don't think anyone ever on Cop On Podcast has ever dared criticise Divock's uh, attitude, uh, uh, which is you know credit to all of our guests. Uh, but um, if it does happen, then I'm just going to cut them off in the future. That's it. They'll be kicked from the stream. Salute. Um, Yes. Um, uh, just before we, we're going to talk about, uh, if, if you guys have got time, uh, to talk about um, Milan very briefly and then Aston Villa for a little bit because it's very intriguing. They've just won uh, 2-1 against uh, Leicester City as we're recording this. So they've just uh, finished that match. It's a great win for Stevie G. Uh, but before we get into that, just a quick thing that I saw on from the incredible Andrew Beasley on Twitter at based base tuned to red. Wow, Mo Salah has only failed to register a goal or an assist in one game this season. Bear in mind, we played 15 games, that was against Burnley in the second game. So his record this season goes a goal and two assists in the first game against Norwich, then nothing against Burnley. Then a goal against Chelsea, a goal against Leeds, a goal against Palace, a goal against Brentford, a goal and an assist against Man City, a goal and an assist against Watford, three goals and an assist against Manchester United at Old Trafford. Uh, no goals, but an assist against Brighton, an assist against West Ham, a goal against Arsenal, an assist against Southampton, two goals against Everton at Goodison Park and one assist yesterday against Wolves. Mo Salah, he leads the scoring charts. He leads the assist charts. Liverpool have scored the most goals, 44, a whopping 12 more than Manchester City, if you haven't seen that already. And we've also kept the most clean sheets, nine out of 15, which is extraordinary. So, uh, you know, if you get an FPL Fantasy Premier League, get Alisson. In your goal. But there you go. Um, briefly, the Champions League against Milan. You're going to play the kids, aren't you, Alan? I mean, just to, to, uh, in comparison for the last match against um, Porto, that we won 2-0, of course. Uh, we played Alisson in goal, Nico Williams, Joel Matip, Konate and Simikas at the back, Chamberlain, Morton and Alcantara in the middle, Salah, Takumi and Sadio Mane up front. Um, I would change quite a lot of that team. What would you change from it, Alan? Uh, yeah, I think we need to change a few players. I don't think, um, I think similar to what we did in the last game against Porto, to maybe four or five players, but not, but not too much because you need to keep that winning momentum going and stuff. But definitely I'd like to see um, Kelleher get a chance in goals and uh, obviously see Macass get a game. Rest, rest the midfielders. Kanata needs a game. Uh, up front, obviously, give I think give Divock and uh, Taki a go, and obviously some of the midfielders need a bit of a rest if possible. Plus, we have, um, if, I'm, if I'm correct, in Europe we still have the five subs, so so we can rest players as well and take them off. But um, yeah, it'd be good to see a few of the young lads get a chance, and like we said earlier on, give give Stadio a rest and you know, Jota or whatever a bit of a rest. Um, also, Millie needs a game, so there's there's lots of good players that they wouldn't. You know, it's not like we're changing seven or eight players or disrespecting the competition or whatever. So it'd be good to see some of the young players, especially especially Kelleher. I think Kelleher needs a game because God forbid if he's injured, he needs a bit of form, a bit of bit of bit of games behind him because he's unfortunately not getting games for Ireland either. So, so um, yeah, I think that'd be what I would do anyway. Yeah, great stuff. I mean, Milner, of course, is is banned. Um, easy to forget that, but remember he got that incredible. Uh, that that really funny yellow card in the ninety second minute of us winning two 0 in a meaningless game 
Um, he still managed to get a booking for for standing in front of the ball, stopping them taking a, a quick free kick in That's their right. own half, which is hilarious, isn't it? But oh, okay. so, yeah, I forgot that. Actually, but, yeah. uh, so, so we're looking at maybe Tyler Morton getting another go, but uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain in midfield, perhaps Naby Keita might get a few minutes. And that brings, brings me on to the weekend, Abdul, because next weekend we've got Aston Villa, we've got Steven Gerrard, the return of Stevie G., um, I look, I watched Villa in the first half today before we started recording this, um, and they don't attack with much width or creativity, and they look very, very vulnerable in defence. They played Matty Cash and Ashley Young at fullbacks today, and um, I'm with at the risk of sounding a, a little bit overconfident. I think we're going to absolutely trounce them and give Stevie a lesson. Um, am I being uh, ridiculously overconfident, Abdul? I don't. Th- yeah, I think you are. To be fair, uh, <laughs> I think Villa. Yeah, they've got that new manager bounce for sure under CVG. He seems to have added a, a new emphasis on defending very narrowly, um, defending with a lot of grit. And I also don't think he wants to go to Liverpool and get a trouncing. I think he wants to walk out of Anfield with a bit of respect uh, from the fans. And also his own uh, his own team at, at at Villa, so I I can imagine it's going to be a bit of a tough match. But again, if Klopp gets his, uh, I think we just need to rest the players this midweek. Um, it would be nice to get all six wins out of six in the Champions League. And I don't think Klopp is necessarily going to make 11, 11 changes. I think with the five subs, he might start a few of our main starters and then switch them off as soon as we can. But um, yeah, I think with the rest, we should be all right. So um, fingers crossed, uh, we should give them at least a three-goal slapping. Yeah, fingers crossed. Well, hopefully, hopefully. I mean, they attack down the left side, Aston Villa. This is all season. They've attacked 42% down the left side, left-hand side, uh, 27% in the middle and 30% down the right side. So we can expect them to attack down the side in which we are sometimes vulnerable uh, because Trent's going forward with Hendo and Mo Salah. We can be done on the break. I am being a little bit, uh, yeah, a little bit tongue-in-cheek about saying we're going to trounce them, but I'm certainly feeling confident. Um, you know, would you play basically the unchanged starting lineup um against Villa from, from our last couple of Premier League matches, Alan? Um, or because there's a good chance that Bobby might be back or Naby Keita certainly will be, might be back. Would you put any of them in, you know, drop, I don't know, Hendo? I've no idea. Uh, no, I, I think I played, I played 11 to start just, um, yesterday, to be honest. Um, you know, I don't like changing a winning team, but um, uh, I was, I, I'm, I'm, I was a little worried about Villa, to be honest, because um, I think they have that new, new manager bounce, especially with Steve Yield. He'll 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 get them going. He'll get them fired up. Um, uh, thanks for the result there. I didn't know they did one, so that's good. Uh, I don't want to see him lose two games in a row. So next week, next week we'll give them a bit of a hammer and hopefully. Yeah, we want to see Stevie do well as long as it's not against us. Of course we do. And uh, Villa, yeah, they're on a bit of a run of form, but it's just the fullbacks. I think they've, you know, um, target. I don't know why Matt Target didn't play today, but he hasn't been in great form. Um, Matty Cash certainly hasn't been in great form, um, you know, even under Stevie. But, uh, you know, they've done very well. Um, they've now, you know, won three of their last four matches. And I think, yeah, I just don't think, you know, I think the, the gap between us on 34 points already and them on 19 is just is just absolutely huge. I think, I don't know. I, I just... I just think we're going to win. I just, I do. I think we're going to win. Uh, but then I'm going to think we're going to win every single match, I suppose. Uh, Buendia, Ollie Watkins and Ramsey started up front for Aston Villa. Uh, John McGinn, marvellous Nakamba, the best name in the Premier League this season. Marvellous Nakamba and uh, Douglas Lewis were their midfield. And at the back, Abdul, they had um, Ashley Young, Tyrone Mings, Konza, who got a goal, and Matty Cash with the excellent but a little bit inconsistent Emmy Martinez in goal. Um, do they do? Do any of those names stand out to you as as a bit scary? Uh not really, <laughs> not really at all. 
Um, it's just, I think, uh, starting from this Villa game, we have a really, I think, tricky set of fixtures. Um, so it, it really is, I think, more about how we start rotating because we're going to need all of our players over the next few weeks. Um, I do think we'll go into it unchanged. You you are right. I think Firmino posted a picture today on Instagram, which kind of, I think, insinuates that he's back. Um, Klopp, Klopp said last week that he only needs one more week and then he's doing ball work. So he might get, you know, a chance this weekend against Villa. Um, Naby Keita's back. Uh, Joe Gomez is back. Curtis Jones isn't far away, hopefully. And Harvey Elliott isn't too much of a long-term problem either. So... Looks like we'll have our full squad going forward. But Villa specifically, I think it's their midfield. Uh, John McGinn is in good form. Um, I think Douglas Louise is a good player. It's about how they can keep compact and help out the defence. Because, yeah, I don't think their defence has amazing stars in there who can keep us off from scoring. I think we should find the spaces, but it might take us a bit of time. It might even be a case that we don't get our customary first half goal. We might have to wait until deep in the second half. But, you know... We can do that as proven by Wolves. So, yeah, uh, yeah. Let's just take it. Yeah, let's take it. Let's take it slow because I know I know Gerard's going to want to want to make an impression. So, I hope we keep our heads basically and we're patient all match and we wait for the chance to come and then we bury it. But don't you think, as you said, Gerard's going to want to come and make an impression? And watching Villa since he came in, they, they they've really you know they're really energetic on the on the press and they press high. That he's basically trying to do like what Jürgen does at Liverpool, basically, mm. you know, you can tell yeah. that they've had, you know, long chats about how to set up a team and tactics and things like that. And you could tell that that's what Gerard wants to do, but that's going to play into our hands in a way, Abdul, because that's when we can get a first half goal because teams, you know, that press us, but don't, don't have our quality. We end up pinching the ball off them and, and, and hitting them on the break and, and, and getting loads of goals like that. Um, don't you think that would play into our hands? Abdul? Exactly that. No, you're completely right. I mean, counterattack works best against counterattack. Well, not best, but you know, yeah, you're completely right. Um, I think the thing is, Liverpool, the reason why Mo Salah was asked last week, like, why is it that we're scoring so many goals at the moment? And he answered that we've just played together for like five, six years. We really know each other well. We know how to help each other out in certain situations. And yeah, the Villa team doesn't have that yet. So even if on paper, theoretically, they want to play a similar style of football, um, they don't have that uh, understanding between them yet um, that the Liverpool players have. So we will definitely exploit that. Um, they're going to need a lot of luck, Villa, to stop us from scoring. But I think the main thing is um, we need to give our players a rest. Like Alan was saying, like they, they just didn't have the right amount of touches. Like the, there wasn't the same kind of sharpness against Wolves that we saw early in the week. So if our key players get a bit of rest, um, then they're refreshed and they'll be able to do the amazing things that we we expect of them. So I can definitely see Mane having a good match if he gets a rest in the midweek. Um, I can see Salah, you know, getting his goals again because he hasn't scored in like a match. So he's clearly going to score again soon. So yeah, Villa are going to need a lot of luck. We'll, we'll probably definitely find the space in behind. And uh, yeah, hopefully it'll just be a customary win then. <laughs> Yeah, very, very, very good answer. Um, Alan, I'm just going to give you the last question. Um, you know, Bobby's coming back, Nabby's coming back. Um, we're just looking good, aren't we? I mean, how 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 confident are you at this stage? I mean, we're looking good. We're in a great place, just one point off the top. Um, but Man City are looking phew, spectacular um as well because we are also spectacular and Chelsea are just one point behind as well even though they're having a bit of a blip um how confident are you Alan that this we can win the Premier League this season uh yeah quite confident um I think yesterday's result in particular is is one of those games yes you just you just pull it out of bag at the last minute that you have to win games like that to win it to win the Premier League and uh, you know, like you said, having Bobby come back, like what a player to have coming back into your team. You know, even if he comes on for the last um, twenty minutes on Saturday and whatever, just to control the ball, ball up. Like he's, we're looking good. We're touch wood. We're looking good. Um, we've seen what Naby can do as well if he gets a few games in him. So touch wood, uh, everything goes well for him. Also, with um, as Abdul said, there we're not as far as I know, we're not too far away from seeing Harvey Elliott back full training. So. Everything's looking good, and and City City haven't had their um 
they're blip yet and City are a team that we all they've lost the game already and stuff but we all know City can go through a bad two or three weeks they've done it nearly every season it's it's normally at the beginning of the season and then they catch up but every team has its good good period and bad period like you said Chelsea are starting to show cracks now and starting to let goals in which which they weren't doing um, they can drift away fairly quick too if, if things don't work for them also if um, we're worried about the African nations uh, African Cup of Nations um, I can see Chelsea struggling without Mendy their keeper isn't he going there as well so, he should be yeah 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 so it's all things are positive there like, and if it goes ahead we'll miss the lads for a few weeks but um, you know, as Tivok showed yesterday we've, we've stuff in reserve that can score goals and win this game so I'm, I'm still quite positive great answer yeah because uh, if Firmino and Jota are both fit during the AFCON then we shouldn't have too many problems, even if we are missing our two best goal scorers, including the it's sensational Mohamed Salah. But um, yeah, I think we got we got enough in reserve uh, to get through a couple of games without them. Um, Abdul, you know, finally for you, I mean, are you are you also um, you know some great optimistic words from Alan there? Uh, do you share his optimism and mine that uh, yeah we can definitely win the league if we keep this up? Well. Uh, for that, I'm going to refer to this tweet from Henry Winter after our win yesterday, where he says, there's many reasons for admiring Jurgen Klopp's LFC. The pressing, the attacking, switching play, rampaging fullbacks, the movement of the front three, the top recruiting, above all, the strength of character. That's what Liverpool showed with Origi's winner. Late goals aren't luck, they're persistence. And I think I said a few weeks ago, maybe in a preview show or whatever, um, I th- the, the difference between Man City, Chelsea and Liverpool, I think it's going to be the strength of character. I think our team has been through so much together and they still have this fighting hunger to get it over the line because they feel like, you know, we won a league during a pandemic and the fans weren't there. And, you know, all of these things, we've got a lot of drive in us. And um, I'm sure the other teams have drive, but for some reason, I just think Liverpool our destiny pool, you know, I think fate favours us in certain situations. So, and that doesn't just come from, you know, just God blessing us or whichever deity. It comes from hard work on the training ground. It comes from building a group of players who are not just great football players and technically proficient, but great human beings as well. So I think that's what's going to get us over the line at the end of the day. So yeah, I, I, I do believe that's a wonderful answer and a great place to leave it. So I want to thank you a million, you guys, uh, for, for being on Cop On. Uh, you at home or out in the park or, you know, on special military operations uh, overseas, wherever you may be. I don't care who you are, where you are. Um, I just want to let you know that I really appreciate you. And thanks for listening to Cop On. Um, it, you can follow us on Twitter at Cop on Podcast. You can send me an email, coponpodcast at gmail.com. If you wish, you can sponsor us on patreon.com forward slash coponpodcast. You can use a code copon10 on uk to get some amazing artwork with 10% off. And just once again, thank you all. And most of all, thank you, Devo. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.